Welcome to the Inspired by Adventure podcast, bringing you the adventure across the airwaves. Here's your host, Cole Watkins. All right, welcome to another episode of Inspired by Adventure podcast. My name is Cole Watkins, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, today, we have David Gegg joining us. David is the owner of Meyer World Adventures and the land agent for the Belize Aggressor 3 and 4. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing great, uh, Cole. Really, really good to be on board with uh, you guys for this event. Yeah, it's great to it's great to finally meet you. I've heard a lot of good things about you, and this is the first time you and I have got to talk. So uh, I'm interested to learn about you and uh, and and also learn today a little bit about the the history of Belize. Because from what I hear, you you and your family have been there for a really long time, right? Well, that that's correct. Um, I, actually, we trace our ancestry in Belize to 1756. Um, Wow. So that was you know, long before my time, had nothing to do with it. Um, but I, I was born in Belize, um, as was my dad and his dad. So, you know, we've been here a long, long time. Um, interesting history over the years, um, especially with the aggressor operation. Um, but to give you a bit of background, you know, I, I went to college in Kansas City, of all places, you know, from a tropical climate like Belize. And uh, after four years there, I, I headed home and I guess I realized the potential that Belize had for tourism when compared to Kansas City, of course, which is a place I enjoyed being, uh, but a little different. Uh, so despite the fact that my family was in merchandising, when I got back to Belize in 72, I said, I, I've got to launch a career in tourism. And my first venture actually was a dive camp on St. George's Key which is just off the coast of Belize City by nine miles, but just inside the Barrier Reef. And that's really got what me going in, uh, in tourism and especially in uh, diving. Very cool. And uh, so um, was, was your family divers as well, or were you the first one to kind of get into that? I, I was the first one to get into scuba diving. I mean, we, we, Spent a lot of time growing up on, on the St. George's Key, the place I talk about. So we were all swimmers and snorkelers. And of course, back then, spearfishing was, was the way to go. So we had quite a bit of experience um, with, with that sort of thing. Uh, but then after college, I, I knew that uh, scuba diving was the future and, and jumped into it. Um, and I've been at it ever since. And, and you know, pleased to say that... Uh, I actually facilitated the first Belize aggressor in coming to Belize. I believe that was 1986. Uh, wow. And it's a great organization and happy to be a part of it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how your operation is tied in with Belize aggressor three and four and some of y'all, some of your daily tasks that you guys have to do and get ready for our customers. Well, we, we you know, meet all the people arriving at the airport, uh, get them to the yachts on time, uh, get them back to the airport, uh, but additionally, uh, Belize has such a diverse landscape on the mainland of activities and attractions, including the Maya ruins, that uh, very often we're providing pre and post tours for your guests. And, and I think that's one of the big attractions for Belize, the fact that um, pe people can book a week on board, uh, either BA3 or 4, but uh, either prior or, or post uh, the dive trip, they can spend a few days um, on the mainland um, taking in the sites and, and you know we've got tremendous um, attractions 
from the Mayan world, uh, sites such as Lemonai, Altunha, Sedantinich. Uh, I mean, some people will even take a trip across the border into Guatemala to go to Tikal. And of course, I'm talking pre-COVID. Um, yeah. But I mean, Belize does offer a tremendous opportunity of, of land-based activities. Uh, one of the signature tours is called cave tubing, where you can actually tube down a river through a series of caves that are really, really cool. And at the end of that, uh, we have a zip line operation where you can um, zip, you know, cross several lines, including two lines that uh, span the lengths across the river. So, so that's really kind of cool. And I mean, it's just a lot of very, very scenic uh, places and, and lots of great things to do. I, I can attest, I, I, did, I got to do the uh, cave tubing when I was in Belize two years ago, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, pretty, yeah it is. Pretty chilly water, but uh, I loved it. <laughs> well, it can be, but once you make the first dip, it, it usually warms up quickly. I agree. I agree. Well, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the Maya ruins and, and hear a little bit about the history of Belize, because um, that was uh, something that, you know, I went down there um, on my trip and I knew we were going to make a, a, tr a trip over to Alton Ha. That's where we, that's the, uh, uh, the ruins that I got to see. But uh, I, I didn't realize just how many there were down there and, and how far it's spread out. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you, you would have gone to Altenham because on Friday when the yachts get back in, usually by midday, the, the afternoon is available for some type of tour activity. And Altenham is, is the nearest uh, Mayan attraction to Belize City where the yachts are based. Uh, it's only 32 miles away, so we, we do a half-day uh, tour in the afternoon, um, which gives you a chance to really see that site and, and to appreciate it. Um, but there are many more sites in Belize, and, and that's why pre- and post-packages that are two, three, four nights sometimes are, are so attractive, because if you wanted to see Sedantinich, for instance, which is in the very west of Belize, or, or Lamanai, which is a very interesting site, but requires getting there by river, you know, with the services of a boat. Mm -hmm. And of course the river itself is a big part of the attraction in, in getting to Lamanai. And, you know, there's several eco resorts uh, in and around the country um, where people would stay and spend two or three nights and, and visit the ruins. And then of course do the cave tubing or zip lining or the national parks, uh, over 42% of Belize's land area is designated as uh, national parks or reserves. Wow. So, you know, this part of set aside. Did you say 42%? 42%, that's correct. Wow, wow, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah. And I, I mean, that, that's really good because I think it shows uh, what governments have done to protect the uh, forest and the, the jungles and the parts of Belize that, that need to be protected. Um, and, and, you know, we've become famous as an ecotourism destination for, for that very reason. Do you have uh, one of the, uh, do you have a certain favorite of the ruins that you tend to go to or appreciate more well, than the others if I had to um, put you in the spot? <laughs> you know, they're, they're all different and each unique in its own way. Most of the ruins are large pyramids, um, which are really interesting. Um, I like Lamanai because to get there, you, you've got to go by boat. And the river trip is, is really, really cool. I mean, you'll see crocodiles, you'll see hollow monkeys, 
lots of bromeliads, orchids, uh, all kinds of, of, you know, really exotic plant life. Mm. Um, so, you know, Lamanai is really, really cool. Um, one of the sites I like is Kahal Pech, and, and that's because it's somewhat different to your standard um, pyramid-style ruin, and, and Kahal Pech was apparently a site where the Mayan rulers lived. And you can see at that site the different uh, rooms and, and uh, parts of this structure that were used by the royalty of those days as their living quarters. And, and that kind of makes Cajal Pech to me a little different and, and sets it aside from some of the others. But I mean, they're, they're all special. I mean, Sedantinich is the tallest structure in Belize or maybe the second tallest structure in Belize. Wow. And uh, you climb to the top of San Antonich and the views are spectacular and there are lots of uh, carved, uh, you know, stele and, and other uh, features into the side of the temples that really make it a spe spectacular place to be. That that blows my mind that something that was built that that long ago can still be, you know, one of the tallest structures in the country. Very, very true. Very true. Yeah. Uh, so so when, when do you happen to know when these... They, they can date these ruins back to? Yeah, they can. And I mean, you know, in the Mayan world, you've got uh, pre-classic, the classic period and post-classic. And I think, um, you know, each one of them um, represents a different um, period of time. But of course, the Mayans had this uh, practice of building new structures on top of old structures. Hmm. So, um, you know, it's quite likely that the initial building that... Um, maybe under San Antonich, for instance, was built um, in the classic period. And uh, San Antonich itself is, is probably, and I, I'm, I'm guessing now, uh, probably post-classic. But I mean, we know that uh, different buildings were built at, at different times um, and, and, you know, representing the different eras of the Mayan civilization. There were also tremendous cave dwellers. And uh, I mean, Belize has lots of really beautiful caves that um, you can visit. And in most of these caves, you'll see evidence of the Mayan civilization, uh, usually lots of very large uh, pots, um, all kinds of artifacts that, that, you know, would be evidence of their habitation of these uh, caves so many years ago. I mean, one of the features you'll see a lot is um, carbon on the ceiling of a cave where you know the ceiling is low and i mean if you just touch that carbon your your fingerprints will sort of impact it uh, and that's because they they would uh, burn um things in the cave for light uh, to to create food to boil water and so on okay and frequently you see tripods uh, you know where they would have put huge pots uh, and and used um, those fires within the caves to sustain themselves Wow. Do you happen to know the date of one of, the, of these of these ruins? Are we talking one thousand. I think we're talking um, anywhere from. Well, of course, the Mayan civilization dates back to just before BC. I mean, there's some evidence of, of Mayan sites uh, two three hundred BC, um, but of course, most of what's in Belize today, I would say, is. Six, seven, eight hundred AD, uh, up into you know twenty-four. Uh, well, I mean fourteen hundred uh, AD. Um, you know, 
a thousand to, to twelve hundred years after um, Anna Domini. Wow, that's that's insane. That's something that yeah. that long can can still be uh, yeah. in that in that type of. Uh... Of course, you know there, there are lots of ruins that have been taken over by the jungles, and and when they're found, the first thing that archaeologists will do is attempt to clear the area around the site so they can analyze it uh, properly and, and look at where major findings might be. For instance, at uh, Altenha many years ago, Dr. David Pendergast was the archeologist working that site. And he found a tomb which they excavated and, and that's where the jade head, which is the largest piece of uh, jade that's been found in the Maya world, Mm -hmm. was actually found within a tomb at uh, Altenha that they were excavating. And I mean, that jade head is said to be one of the most valuable pieces of uh, Mayan artifact in the, in the world today. I remember learning about that a little bit. Now, how big, can you remind me how big that, that, that is? Yeah. The jade head is actually, uh, you know, it fit into my hands like this actually. And, and I say that because I had a very, unique experience of uh, attending a trade show in Berlin with the Minister of Tourism at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, he took the jade head and, and quite uh, an elaborate uh, Mayan exhibit to ITV in Berlin, where he and I were participating uh, and representing Belize. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember having that jade head um, in my hands and taking pictures with it at the show in Berlin. And that was really quite an experience. Yeah, that it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty well known down there in Belize. It's I, I remember seeing it on different um, uh, signs and different things talking about it. So that's really cool. You got to I'm sure that was a real treat for you, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the jade head is, is sort of iconic uh, to Belize and to the Mayan world, and it, it's one of the most famous finds uh, historically. And and we're certain that there is uh, another jade head out there somewhere because so many Mayan sites are yet to be excavated, um, many of which are still lost in the jungle somewhere. And I, I would imagine that there's some sites that have not yet even been found. Wow, that's really cool. Are there any operations that are actively you know, searching or doing these? Yeah, well, I don't know if they're searching. Um, usually they're found by, by uh, log cutters who encounter them when, you know, they're hiking through the jungle looking for cheek clay or, or mahogany logs or something like that. But there are many uh, ongoing excavations at uh, some of the different uh, more famous sites. Um, although I think COVID has kind of put a, a stall to most of that activity. But, you know, one of the main sites in Belize is uh, Caracol. And that, that's a site that's a little further away than uh, most of them. And you definitely need to do an overnight trip to access uh, Caracol, but it, it's one of our largest sites and it's said to rival Tikal in Guatemala. In fact, a bit of the history is, is the fact that there was some kind of war at some point between Tikal and, and Guatemala. Sorry, not uh, Tikal, between Caracol and Tikal. And uh, Caracol actually prevailed in that battle. Um, so, you know, it makes it a very important site in, in the history of the Maya world generally, but of course, especially in the history of Belize, given Guatemala's claim to Belize. So, you know, we tend to rub the, the victory of that battle in their face from time to time. 
That's very interesting uh, stuff there. Uh, well, well, what else can you tell us a little bit about uh, Belize? You know, we've uh, we recently did a a, um, a call with TASA, which is the Turnoff Atoll uh, Sustainability Association. Correct. Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure I didn't mess up that acronym, but yeah, uh, and it was very interesting learning about everything that they do uh, over there at the Turnoff Atoll. Um, what can you say about the diving and the um, uh, shoot, I'm going to have to re- rephrase this question. Um, I was trying to get... Well, let, let me go first, Cole, to Lighthouse Reef um, okay. and the Blue Hole because, you know, that's what makes Belize so famous. And and actually... So, sorry, let me let me phrase the question uh, for you. Since I, since I screwed that part up, I'm going to have to uh, cut it out. So let me rephrase it for you and then, then it will look smooth when I mash it together <laughs> yeah. okay well uh let's let's uh talk a little bit more about the ocean side of, of belize and uh and a little bit about uh the turn of atoll and lighthouse reef what can you tell us about those areas yeah well you know belize has three of the only four atolls in this part of the world uh there's glover's reef that is a bit in the south and off the coast of the barrier reef Turnif Atoll, um, which is very, very important as, as a major ecosystem. And of course, so is uh, Lighthouse Reef. And Lighthouse Reef is east of Turnif, and Turnif is east, east of the Barrier Reef. Uh, Barrier Reef is the second longest in the world. It, it's 186 miles long from the southernmost end to the, the northernmost end. And it, it extends into Mexico and into Honduras as well. But, uh, you know, one of the iconic um, features of the system is the Great Blue Hole. And that's a site that um, we've known for many years existed, but was made famous really by Jacques Cousteau, who came to Belize in 1971, I believe, to carry out some research on the Blue Hole. And he came here with the Calypso and was able to actually get the Calypso into the Blue Hole. And at the time, I think he had some, some you know, many subs um, of that era. And, and he did go down to the bottom. And, and I remember them saying that um, it was 412 feet deep and approximately a thousand feet in diameter. And they were actually able to um, extract a stalactite um, and, and bring it ashore. And I mean, that was a good thing because they were able to do a lot of research on it and to date everything that had happened in the area, but I mean, clearly with stalactites in the Blue Hole, it, it's an indication that uh, those atolls and the barrier reef and, and you know, the inland waters of Belize were very much above sea level at one time. So, you know, you talk about climate change today and, and I, I think we've had tremendous climate change or, or sea level change over the years. And um, I, I had the very unique, uh, pleasure of, of getting to meet uh, Captain Cousteau and the entire crew of the Calypso um, actually was able to spend an entire day on board the Calypso, um, an experience I'll never forget. Um, he actually came back to Belize on a second occasion to conduct research on the spawning of the grouper, grouper species here in Belize, because, you know, we, we have um, several areas in the country where at certain times of the year, the groupers come together by the thousands 
and, and Spawn. And uh, he came to do some research on that. And it was on that occasion that um, I got to spend the day on board the Calypso with Captain Costuo and, and the Madame and the full crew. And like I say, that, that's one of those days in my life that I'll never forget. And that was in the 70s, you said? Well, I think that, that was the second time he came back to Belize, which uh, I believe was 1973. And an interesting uh, anecdote about that trip as well, uh, John Denver was on board the Calypso with him really? at, on that occasion. And if you recall, he wrote a song called I Calypso. And uh, that song was written by John Denver here in Belize. Wow. And I actually got to meet John Denver as well on that occasion. Very cool. I'm, I'm sure many of our, uh, our our diving fans would like to ask what it was like to uh, to to hang out with Gusteau for a little while. Did you guys do some diving together? And what was he? Well, like? actually, we did. Um, and I mean, I'll, I'll tell you exactly kind of how it happened. Um, my dad at the time was the honorary French consul in Belize, and of course, uh, with Calypso in port, uh, he felt obliged to host the function for Captain Gusteau and the crew, which which he did. And um, we got to talking the night at that event, uh, and a friend of mine knew where there was this massive 16th century anchor on the west side of Turniff. And of course, the speculation was that that anchor was placed there um, probably prior to a storm, a hurricane, and that maybe the ship um, had come loose and sank and gone down over the drop-off. So we decided to head out the following morning uh, and to anchor in that uh, same area, of course, first to, to find that anchor and, and then uh, dive the drop off to see if um, there was anything there. And uh, we did find the anchor and we did dive uh, on the, the drop off uh, west on the west side of Turnef. Didn't find anything, but it, it kind of got lit. And we really weren't able to do justice to that dive. But I did get a chance to dive with uh, a couple of the, the crew guys from Calypso, about four or five of us from the city joined them on that trip and was able to die with them. Well, what was, what was he like just getting to see him in person? Cause you know, every really, really cool guy. So knowledgeable, uh, entertaining, um, uh, you know, I had started my career in, in uh, scuba diving and, and having a chance to spend a day sailing from Belize city Harbor, right where the aggressor boats uh, dock out to, to Turnif uh, with Captain Cousteau, you know, having lunch on board with him. Um, like I said, it's one of those experiences I'll never forget. I mean, the guy was so interesting, educated, uh, I mean, informative, um, you know, always willing to share his experiences with you. Um, I, I took away so much from it. Uh, and like I say, you know, it's, one of those moments in my life that I'll never forget. That's very cool to hear. Uh, well, do you want to talk to us about any of the other atolls that are over there? Yeah, of course. Uh, Turniff is, is a really cool uh, place as well. And, you know, we, we've now got uh, TASA, Turniff Atoll Sustainable Association, that's doing a really great uh, work at Turniff. I mean, it, it's a, uh, conservation sort of agency but they're more than just conservation they're they've got activities such as uh, growing uh, coral um, 
Turnif is an incredible place. Uh, so many different ecosystems, such a large footprint of mangroves, for instance. Uh, and of course, like uh, Lighthouse Reef, the atoll is surrounded by coral. But in the case of uh, Turnif, uh, within the lagoons of the atoll, you'll see manatees, you'll see crocodiles, dolphins, uh, you know, just about every imaginable species there is. Um, and, and Tassa has rangers that uh, are deployed throughout the atoll um, with a view to ensuring that there's no abuse to poaching, to, to fishing for certain species in the times of the year when they're not suspect, uh, supposed to. And that helps to preserve all the species that are so prevalent there, such as lobster and conch and, and some of the other, um, you know, pelagic uh, species as well. Snapper, uh, grouper, for instance, there are several places at Turnef where the, the grouper will uh, aggregate at certain times of the year. And um, I mean, the guys at, at uh, TASA have a, a research station and they're really doing just, you know, all kinds of great work. And, and as you know, Cole, um, Aggressor Adventures has helped them in a significant way and, and we're happy to do so and will continue to do so because they are doing great work uh, for sustainability for not just for Turnef, but for all the uh, atolls and the barrier reef of the leaves. Yes, I'm really, I'm really glad you mentioned Tassa because we did do a call with uh, Valdemar Andrade uh, there with with Tassa earlier in the uh, the season of our when we start our podcast, and that's a great call if anyone wants to go listen to that call and learn a little bit more about Tassa. It was uh, really, um, really um, great stuff. Well, um, tell us uh, a little bit, David, about. Uh, the diving in Belize and what you would tell someone who's never traveled there, uh, why they should come there and, and check everything out? Well, the first reason is because, you know, we're so close to the primary market, which of course is the U.S. I mean, <laughs> we're a two hour, well, in the case of Miami, it's about an hour and 35 minutes, uh, two hours out of Houston. And, and actually today we have uh, nonstop flights from uh, LaGuardia, from Chicago, from Denver and from Los Angeles. So the airlift into Belize is, is very convenient and, and easy. And, uh, you know, it, it's a short flight away from um, the primary market of the United States. Um, we're, we're an English speaking uh, country. I mean, Belize used to be British Honduras. You know, we, we emerged in history as a colony and then we got independence in 1981, but, um, the people still speak English as, as their mother tongue. A uh, lot of influences uh, from Spanish speaking countries today, but English is still the official language of Belize. Um, and, uh, you know, the, you land at the airport and the yachts are 15, 20 minutes away. Um, and, you know, depending on whether you're doing a pre or post uh, package or, or whether boarding the same day, you know, you can fly in on a Saturday morning and by Saturday evening, you're departing the dock and heading off for a great week of some of the best diving in the world. I mean, you know, it's second longest barrier reef in the world. Mm -hmm. um, the barrier reef itself has good diving, um, but Turnif and Lighthouse Reef and Glover's Reef are, are said to be quite a bit uh, better. You know, each different in its own way, um, but, but Lighthouse Reef, which is where we spend most of the week, um, 
is said to be as good as anything you'll find in any part of the world. And I think even Cousteau um, declared it as one of his top 10 favorites. So the diving is excellent. Uh, you know, we've got drop-offs, we've got walls, lots of um, marine life, um, lots of sharks in certain parts of, of the systems, uh, lots of great things to see. And of course, with the aggressive fleet uh, literally anchored over the reef at night, there's great night diving, um, mm -hmm. great opportunities for, for people. And, and I mean, as we know, Cole, uh, the liveaboard options provide the best type of, of scuba diving anywhere and, and give you a chance to put in five, six uh, dives a day. And you really can get the most out of a liveaboard uh, dive vacation. Um, and that's, you know, true for everyone, but especially for the really serious divers. I agree. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you'd like to tell us about, about Belize before we wrap it up here? Oh my goodness. Um, mm -hmm. Well, we, we've done exceptionally well, you know, given the COVID pandemic, we, we've got extremely good protocols in place at the international airport. Uh, everyone who's now operating has to do so with what's called the gold standard. And I must admit that um, you guys, the aggressor operation ourselves as your land agent, uh, we achieved the gold standard status um, when it first became available. And we, we have put in place all the necessary protocols of, uh, you know, testing and whatnot um, to ensure that uh, you can come in and, and be safe while you're on board. The crew has to take uh, extreme uh, protocols also to ensure that they're safe to accommodate your guests when they're here. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, touch wood, we've had no incidents at all. Um, you know, Belize just lifted some of the um, regulations it had in place for travel. But, you know, prior to that, you'd have to get a test to, before leaving the country. And we actually had um, people who carry out those tests come to the boat on uh, Friday afternoon and provide the tests and everyone's been good. And then, you know, you get your documentation and normally you leave the following day and it's really been a um, smooth um, process for everyone coming out and then leaving the following week. Uh, we've had no issues. And I think, you know, guests are, are really impressed with what Belize has in place to accommodate them traveling here. Our, our recent customers who have been on these boats, doing, or sorry, been on the yachts and noticed the uh, how quick and efficient the um the testing and smooth, like you said, as it goes for the, when they come and do the test at the end of the week, they, they're, they're, they're raving about how easy that process is. So that's been really <laughs> a relief of how we were able to, to get that going. I'm excited that that's going so well. And let's hope goal that within a few months, uh, you know, this, this saga will all be behind us and that the world can get back to normalcy and, we won't have to go through all this testing, uh, you know, on the way in and on the way out. Uh, I think we're slowly getting there and hopefully by summer, that's where we'll all be. Yes, sir. I hope so. Well, I, um, I really appreciate you coming on today and I look forward to meeting you next time I'm in Belize, which is actually supposed to be this summer. So uh, uh, I know you and Liz do a great job and the rest of your team out there. So tell everybody I said, hey, and um, I will see you soon. Will do. Look forward to seeing you whenever you're here. Just, just give me a, give a little heads up that you're on the way in, and 
I'll, I'll take you to some of those Maya ruins. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for uh, joining us today for episode of Inspired by Adventure podcast. And we will catch you guys next time. Take care. Okay, Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. All righty. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning into the Inspired by Adventure podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe through iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next time.